When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. The song that never ends. Uh, We are back, the TDN Fantasy Podcast, and we are going to talk about, this is the song that never ends, which is the Antonio Brown Show in Oakland. If you have been listening to this podcast... You would know that since John Gruden became the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, soon to be the Vegas Raiders, Jamie Eisner has had a very interesting relationship with the Oakland Raiders fans. Okay, Interesting being a nice word. So, Jamie, I'm going to let you open up here because we both, all, all three of us on this podcast, and kudos to Jake because Jake had a little insight into what was going on here with Antonio Brown and told everybody from the very beginning that This was not a good trade. This was a disaster. Antonio Brown has some issues that he needs to work through on a personal level. And we have been consistent with that messaging for a very long time. But Jamie is is, is in a unique situation where he buds up against the Oakland Raiders fans. So I am here for entertainment purposes. And I want to hear what Jamie's thoughts are on how everything has Ah. completely blown up in Oakland. Get at him, black hole. Get at him. (laughs) It's... It, it, this one's tough for me because it's a little – my stance on the Raiders has been simple. It's that the, the idea that John Gruden is this great, awesome, mega coach has been so blown out of proportion because he's been on TV for years uh, that it's just – it's gotten to the point where people are absolutely delusional about it. But I have a hard time blaming – putting too much blame on John Gruden for this situation because, look, he deserves some of the blame, but he's also in a terrible spot here. This is, a, this is a great example that we could probably use across sports for head coaches, general managers, presidents and player personnel, etc. Everybody always thinks, no, 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 we're the ones that can solve known character issues. Every general manager thinks they can do it. Every coach thinks they can do it. And very rarely does it come to fruition. And this is exactly what you get in this scenario where you said, okay, we're going to trade Two mid-round picks, we're going to sign them to a big deal because we can fix the issues or we can deal with the issues or we can worry and find a way to shield our team from the issues. And guess what happens? You can't. And this Antonio Brown thing has been a complete and utter disaster from day one. And we all knew this was probably going to end poorly. We didn't think it was going to end poorly before the start of the first season. (laughs) I I did. I did. I was going to say, go ahead, Jake. Go ahead, Jake. I I damn sure did. Go ahead, James. Finish finish what you were saying. No, but I mean, it's just, uh, look, get out of this deal. Suspend him for contract detrimental to the team. Get out of your guarantees. Apparently, they haven't paid him a penny yet. Because he didn't show up for 82.5% of his off-season workouts and lost a $500,000 bonus. Just get out of this at this point. Move on. You're not not a Super Bowl team with or without Antonio Brown this year anyway. You're not a playoff team with or without Antonio Brown this year. Just move on. Somebody's dumb enough to trade for him. You know, this isn't as good as my Tupac is the greatest uh, philosopher since Aristotle analogy. (laughs) But 
I am reminded of the crazy hot matrix. And the Raiders were like, oh my God, she's so hot. I have to try. Yes. But she's been divorced nine times. She's taken all of their money and she's crazier than she is hot. And she screwed, she skewed the matrix and screwed the Raiders. They screwed themselves. This was never going to work. Mike Mayock, giant ego, big alpha male, I know my stuff, handpicked by John Gruden because the most bulletproof dude in the NFL over freaking Eli Manning and everybody, Peyton Manning when he was playing, is John Gruden. Ten years, hundred million. He's making more than any, any player on his team. Guaranteed yeah. money-wise. Like, this was never going to work. John Gruden's my way or the highway. I handpicked Mayock to be my guy. And you make this, and you, they, I mean, come on, man. Like, how much can they freaking take? I agree with Jamie. There's not very many times that you can, the, the language is written in a contract for you to be able to get out. And get out of $30 million? Yeah, get out. It, it, it's, it's pretty simple here, guys. And, and Jake, I love the, the hot girl matrix, right? Because it sounds, the analogy that I used yesterday, and I was talking to a friend back and forth, and I said, it's like the girl who tells me that she's going to change the guy, right? There's always, you have one of your girlfriends that's like, no, it, it's going to be different this time, right? Like, he's going to change for me. No, he's not. He's not going to change. And that is exactly what Oakland thought. And Jamie said it. And he's just, Antonio Brown is who he is. We all knew that Mike Tomlin is a player's coach. And he allowed a lot of his stuff to fly under the radar for a very long time. John Gruden and Mike Mayock are not the Pittsburgh Steelers. They don't operate the same way. He doesn't coach the same way. And a lot of the antics and things that happened in Pittsburgh were not going to be tolerated. So the second that this marriage happened, everybody on this podcast went, yeah, this is a ticking time bomb because this is going to explode and it will happen early. I didn't forecast that it would happen before he even played one game in Oakland. And now at this point, I don't know that he's ever going to play a game because I'm in agreement with you, Jamie. If, if you have the opportunity to get out of this, get out. Now, because this is, it almost seems irreparable at this point because he's so vocal about being anti. I mean, to the point where we know that he and Mike Mayock went to, almost went to blows, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's by the way, Vontez Perfect apparently was the one that broke it up. Like, how, <laughs> yeah, how awesome is that? Let's talk about this for a second. That the voices, of the, there are, the two people that are telling Antonio Brown you're being irrational yesterday were Vontez Perfect and OJ Simpson. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> What, what are we – like what is happening – look, you, at some point, this goes beyond football. At some point, if you're trying to truly – you know, we hear us talk about culture, building a culture. If you're really trying to build a winning culture around this Raiders team, you cannot have Antonio Brown back in your locker room. I don't care how talented he is at this point. He has gone so far beyond the realm of reasonability. You have yeah. exactly zero credibility as a general manager and as a head coach if you allow Antonio Brown back in this locker room at this point. Yeah. Save me your winning culture conversation when you traded away Khalil Mack, but put $30 million of guaranteed money to Antonio Brown. Exactly. Um, I, you know, I can't go without saying before we jump off this page, like what the Steelers did, this dude isn't any different than he was for the last, you know, 10 years of his career. No, nope. ben, Ben's been the bad guy. Tomlin's the bad guy. They traded him. It was all AB. How do you get rid? Like they dealt with this craziness on a weekly basis. And, you know, he needs help. He needs mental help. I think he's needed it for a long time. Yep. They and dealt I, with it, and in Pittsburgh fashion, kept it under wraps, kept it under control, kept him on the field, and kept him performing to a Hall of Fame level. And he leaves, and it all unravels. 
I think it's a true testament for everybody that doesn't know. And Jake obviously knows the Pittsburgh Steelers organization very well. It's a true testament to how well they operate as a business, right? And and how they operate and, and how they keep things under wrap and how they do things the Steeler way, right? And, and that that comes with a certain a certain degree. And it comes with the fact that Mike Tomlin takes care of is is a player's coach. John Gruden to a detriment, but he yeah. keeps it under wraps in house. Correct. But there is a, a dictatorship that is happening in Oakland. When that is that is the way it has been described. It is John. It is John Gruden's show. And like you, it's said, not described that way. They gave him a hundred million dollar guaranteed ten year deal. Yeah. That makes you Fidel Castro. For sure, one hundred percent. You can do whatever the hell you want. Oh, it gets even better. Breaking news: Antonio Brown issued an emotional apology at a team meeting this morning, with the team captain standing behind him. Oh Lord. It's like you woke up from a hangover and went, what the hell did I do drunk last night? And went, oh, God, I better call and apologize. It's, it's at this point, the way that it's described, I, I truly feel, and I know I think both of you guys do too, that he, he needs help, right? Like the Oakland Raiders need to get him mental health help because he has erratic behavior. And he is hugging John Gruden and telling him that he loves him in one moment and then trying to fight the GM in another moment. It's just not normal behavior. So if you have him, let's strictly from a fantasy perspective, I know people are losing their minds, right? Because they drafted him for the most part much earlier um, than a lot of us. Uh, Listen to the show. Yes. Specifically, Holy this podcast crap. told you. Um, so obviously we're, you're not going to have him this week, um, more than likely. And his long-term future is really, it's hard to forecast what's going to happen here. Jamie, do you have any indication or thoughts on what you should do here? Because I, I think at this point I'm kind of like, uh, it's a wait and see scenario because I I can't guess what he's going to do. You got to just stick him on your bench at this point. Like I, I don't. I don't have any actionable advice for you. You can't drop him at this point because he's, he's too good of a player that if he plays and you invested too much draft capital into him. But he – we'll see. I mean, he, again, it's Friday. I would not I would not be shocked if they do an about face here, especially with that and saying, okay, he's going to play on Monday night. Uh, I, I don't want to play him week one. I think you should look through other options. I think it's way – unless you have like Tyrell Williams also on your bench. I think it's extremely risky to wait till Monday night to decide if see if Antonio Brown's going to play or not. But this isn't over. It's never no, over. No, 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 the helmet no. issue was when the helmet issue was over, and then it wasn't over. And then the foot issue, and then it wasn't over. And then this issue is not. This isn't over. So you're going to be dealing with this all year. You can't drop him at this point. You, you can't trade him for you know twenty cents on the dollar. But you're just going to kind of have to deal with him at this point. And you made your bed by drafting him, and now you have to sleep in it. Put him on your bench until he ends up in New England playing with Tom Brady. Uh, it's unfortunate Crickets. that I really, really see that happening. So uh, let's move on here. <laughs> let's move on here to uh, last night's game. Obviously, Thursday night football, NFL 100 kickoff. The Packers take care of the Bears um, on Thursday night football. From a fantasy perspective, specifically, Jamie, I know we forecasted and talked a lot about, specifically you, had a lot of faith in the fact that Mike Davis was going to play a pretty significant role early on in this offense, and you were correct. So what did you see last night? Well, I mean, the Bears' offense was completely inept last night. Let's just be very clear. But do you think that continues on, specifically just the early on part of the year that Mike Davis continues to have a, a significant role? I do. And look, he, this is this was a great example of the disconnect between what's actually happening and what people in the fantasy community want to happen. 
And, and <laughs> I know so, so many people want David Montgomery to get 20 carries a game right away. I do too from a talent perspective. He, I mean, he in his limited touches, he looked really, really strong. He's only going to get better as the season progresses. But the reality is, is they like Mike Davis a lot. Not only do they bring him in, they could have cut him and gained a fourth round comp pick back. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're keep- Mike Davis is a big part of our plans. And you have to just be aware of how they're going to use him. Mike Davis is a much better pass catcher than people give him credit for. I know there are a lot of pass catching backs in Chicago right now, but he's a lot better than they give him credit for. We told you Tariq Cohen is going to be on the field with one of the other backs a lot, lined up in the slot, and he was. And you, that, you're going to continue to see that. Uh, he got a ton of targets. I think, what, he got eight catches and, and zero carries in that game. I believe ten targets in total. Like, you have to understand, this is go- they're going to mix and match their backs a lot. Tariq Cohen's going to have his role. They're going to use him in that way, regardless of who else is in the backfield. But Montgomery and Davis are going to split time. And in the game late, which we saw when you're trailing in the fourth quarter and you want to run hurry up, they're going to put Mike Davis in the game for that spot, at least in the first half of the season, and not David Montgomery. So I think you have to... Temper your expectations for Montgomery going forward. He might be the most – he's going to be more productive per t- – you know, fantasy points per touch than Mike Davis is going to be. But he's going to be splitting time, and he's really nothing more than a flex play going forward. And as much as everybody really, really wants him to be a thing right away, I just don't think it's going to happen on a week-to-week basis. Jake, I want to ask you something specifically because I know you and I have talked about this off the podcast, and that is – and it's because – I have had multiple conversations with Bruce Arians about the the little amount of practice that the NFL now has um, with pads and and how everything has become there's less and less right and, and we we did not see this Bears offense at all during the preseason right and you didn't see you didn't see the Packers offense uh, there was no offense as somebody who was sitting there live. There was no offense, really, on either side of the football. Um, now, obviously, the Bears' defense is has looked fantastic, but but neither offense gelled at all. Do you think that there's something to this? Like, we don't see any starters in the preseason, and then these first two weeks are really, really sloppy. It seems like it's been that way over the last few years. It sucks. It absolutely has been that way the last few years. And there's no reason Mitch Trubisky, other than I'm scared to death he's going to get hurt, should have played in the preseason. He looked god-awful. Yes, he did. The play calling was worse than he looked. Mm-hmm. And that was on both sides. LaFleur was beyond unimpressive. I'll get into my thoughts for the game in a second. But to answer your question, yes. And you see certain teams like the Patriots. You'll see B.A.'s teams where Jameis Winston played a half. They're, they're going to look sharper. Yep, yep. The only team in the last three years that have not that rested everybody that's looked any good is the Rams. And that's because Sean McVay schemed it up that they were wide freaking open in like the first five games of the year last year. They looked sharp. Everybody else, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback talent-wise we've NFL's ever seen. He throws the best ball ever. And he threw four of the ugliest damn passes, the one to Jimmy Graham in the first quarter of his foot. He was, there was no pressure. He just short-armed it, and it was god-awful because he hadn't taken – I mean, it was just – if Aaron Rodgers can look that bad, then, yes, there's got to be a fine line of, yes, we don't have enough practice time, but at least do something. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but the NFL can't put this bad of a product on the field in week one and two because nobody plays in the preseason anymore. Change the damn preseason or something. But yeah, this is I, ridiculous. I think you play less preseason games, but you start seeing some of these guys actually play. I mean, I just it was it was ugly. As somebody the who was Bears there, lost I, because they didn't do that. I know. 
I don't. And the and the thing is, when you have, I understand potentially. I still think. Listen, if Tom Brady is playing, I don't understand why everybody else isn't playing. That's the way I look at it, right? Exactly. You, you see enough of if the Patriots are playing, and we know that they're the model of success. Then I don't understand why in a copycat league, everybody is not copycatting that. It doesn't make any sense to me. You have a very complex offense in Chicago. You have a young quarterback who doesn't have that many reps in totality as a starting quarterback going back to his college days. You have a ridiculous offense in Chicago. We'll get into that in a second. If Tom Brady wants reps to be sharp in week one, everybody ought to want reps to be sharp in week one. Thank you so very, thank you so very much. Let's get into your thoughts quickly before we get into all of the NFL lines and and all the upcoming action this Sunday. So Jake, I'll let you go first. My thoughts are run the freaking ball on third one with a damn running back. Thank you. Quit out trying to think your freaking self. This stupid ass wing T to start the game BS that you couldn't even execute. You have a great offensive line. You have weapons. Just run a damn offense. I don't give a damn that it's September and it's the de- the weather's decent. What you did in November last year worked. Chuck Pagano, Mike Pettin, phenomenal jobs. The defenses are going to be ahead of the offenses a little bit early in the season anyway. But those two veteran coaches had game plans to kick the hell out of the other teams. And now I'll jump on Matt LaFleur, who this new wave Packers offense looked like crap with the greatest quarterback ever. It's supposed to be all this motion and guys wide open and the ball's coming out quick. Nothing. None of that. It was god-awful, beyond unimpressive game plan. He looked bewildered on the sidelines. It was worse than Matt Patricia early in the year last year. Yeah, it was But this dumb. crap with Nagy, man, you, just because you have all these weapons doesn't mean you have to do this. You know why Andy Reid is phenomenal in opening weeks and coming off of a bye? Because he game plans the hell out of the other team. You didn't see that. No. You I mean, saw a guy trying to be creative and have this high-flying offense and we're all great and I'm going to recreate the wheel. It didn't work. They looked like shit. Yeah, they looked they looked terrible. Uh, and if if it's third and it's not only third and one, it's third and inches. And Trubisky lines up in the shotgun. Okay, that's what that's what I was watching. So you can imagine the words. And of, then they uh, handed the quarter out Patterson. Yeah, made made absolutely no sense. There's certain things that you just just don't make any sense. And offensively on both sides, I was. Less than impressed by both sides. The defense, the Bears defense looked as much as people wanted to say they were going to take a step back. They looked great last night. Uh, I still I think they will because I don't think they can stay that healthy. But, man, Chuck Pagano blitzing with that defense. Yep. That's oh, my, oh, my God. Like, they're going to have some incredible – they're still going to be a top three defense. I just don't think they play at the, quite the same level as last year because nobody can stay that healthy. No, and, and but the nice thing for, for everyone, because I know this was a, a big uh, topic in the offseason, was that – you know, losing Vic Fangio. I think it, to give credit, like, 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 listen, I'm a huge Vic fan. I was happy to see him get a get a head coaching job. But I think everybody else underestimates the fact that Chuck Pagano is a hell of a football coach. Uh, and having him as the defensive coordinator is going to be a great thing for Chicago. Jamie, your quick thoughts overall, and if there was any fantasy insights, because I know I got a lot of people tweeting at me, freaking out about Devontae Adams and all these guys. And I said, listen, they're not going to play the best defense every week. You got to, you got to, you got to slow your roll a little bit with freaking out about Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and and everybody in company. Absolutely. But before I get into the fantasy angle, I do want to make one point on the Bears defense. And it's the same argument that we've made with Pat Mahomes this year, that it is possible to regress and still be the best at your position statistically. Like that, yes. the Bears could still be the number one defense this year and not be as good as they were last year. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, but fantasy-wise, uh, one thing I really want to point out is I said on the show when we did the preview, I was really high on Allen Robinson this week. I liked him a lot. 
Uh, I was extremely encouraged by this game. Trubisky feels like he trusts him. He went to him early and often in different for, in different sets along the sidelines, back shoulder throws, end up with seven for 102. On the Packers side, I think that the note is you don't worry about Devontae Adams. Like he's he was my number one overall wide receiver. Not the greatest week that you could have had, but you're not there's no actionable items with him. The thing to note now is is we're still is to look over the next couple of weeks on Marquez Valdez Scantling versus John Mo Allison. Allison didn't get targeted in this game, which was shocked me. Uh, and Scantling was targeted, I think, five or six times, had caught four of them for 52 yards. Kind of something to watch to see who's going to be Rodgers' number two target. The whole game was very weird to me from a Packers standpoint in the sense they knew the Bears were going to blitz, yet they never really had a lot of hot reads. The only hot read I saw was them throwing late in the game when they should have been running the ball to run out the clock or at least use out the timeouts. I imagine when they get that going, Geronimo Allison's going to have a much bigger role. Jamal Williams was in the game a lot. Jake talked to you about this. He was in the game a lot, and that's something I don't More think snaps he, than Aaron Jones. And I don't think he's going to out-snap Aaron Jones the rest of the way, but he's going to be in the game a lot more than, than Aaron Jones' owners feel comfortable with. Uh, but again, he'll have a better matchup next week, and, and he'll be able to have a little bit more success there. This was a weird game all around. I, I wouldn't take too many fantasy aspects away from it, other than we told you that Jimmy Graham was probably going to catch more than two touchdowns this year, and I still think that. But that's what you're hoping for. If Jimmy Graham gets in the end zone, he's startable on a weekly basis. If he doesn't, he won't be. Yep. All right, guys, moving on. We got a lot of action on Sunday. We're going to kick things off here with the Atlanta Falcons playing at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are four-point favorites at home. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to go to your first fantasy takeaways, and then we'll get into picking against the spread. Yeah, I, I like – look, this is the Dalvin Cook week. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see what he can do this week. He's my number five running back. Uh, in fantasy this week, I, I think he's going to go off. Uh, I think he's going to have a monster game. Uh, I'm tempering expectations a little bit for the Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielens of the world. It looks like Diggs is back at practice. He should be okay going forward. But uh, I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball at will, which is going to limit their passing game a little bit. And as far as the Falcons go, I know everybody's kind of down on them uh, this week. And I get it. The Vikings have a really good defense. Uh, you know, you might have a better option than Matt Ryan if you have, let's say, a Jameis Winston or a Carson Wentz this week. But if you don't, I'm not, I'm not going to the waiver wire. Uh, I would just, you know, play your studs and start Matt Ryan. Uh, Julio Jones is going to play. Uh, I don't, I don't buy that he's going to sit out week one. And he kind, we saw those quotes come out late last night. Uh, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, if he doesn't play, though, the Mohamed Sanu is a must start. But uh, I, I, to me, this is more about the Vikings running game this week. I think this game's going to be about the running backs with him and Devonta Freeman. Yeah, Dalvin Cook is my number five running back for the year. I've got him on both my teams. I feel I, I just think he's going to have a monster year breakout. You coming out of Florida State, he was just so damn explosive. He had a great rookie year until he tore his ACL. I think he has a monster game. Uh, I agree with you all the way around. And if Julio plays, I think Matt Ryan has a decent enough day to keep this close. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think I think this is actually going to be a close game. Um, I actually am going to pick the Vikings. I'm going to pick the Vikings to win, but I'm going to pick Atlanta to cover the spread. I think it's going to be a three-point game, and I think it's going to be closer than, than people believe it to be because I envision that these teams, specifically the Vikings, who also did not play a lot of the preseason, I think most of these teams are going to look pretty – pretty bad offensively. I, I'm not expecting a lot offensively across the board after watching what I saw last night. Uh, I'm just anticipating that it is going to be a sloppy uh, week one as it was last year across the board. Everybody looked really slow. Um, the offenses looked really bad. And I think it's going to be a close game. I think I think the Vikings are going to win, but I think they're going to win by three. Jake, what do you have here? 
Yeah, we should probably tell our, our listeners, too, how we pick these. Like, you guys talk lines, that kind of stuff. I tell you what I see from a football perspective, give you a score, and a lot of times it's really close. And I pick 27-23 Vikings. So I'm dead on the Vegas line again. Um, if I got to lean one way or the other, I'd probably lean towards Paige on the Vikings win but don't cover. So I'll, I'll go that way for you guys. But I picked the, you know, the spread, 27-23. I think the Vikings win at home. I think the Vikings win home as well, but I do think they cover. I think this is a touchdown game. Falcons have really struggled against the spread in their last handful of road games. Uh, the Vikings have won 10 of the last 13 games at home uh, against the Falcons, and I think they'll extend that streak a little bit. Uh, I still have a lot of questions about Atlanta's defense. They should be better because they're healthier, but I still don't think we're quite quite to the point yet where they deserve to be uh, in the even mid-level consideration where the Vikings have an elite defense on their side. So give me the Vikings and uh, given, giving four points. Yeah, okay. the Falcons haven't beat the Vikings up there since 2008. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's a tough place to play. Minnesota is a tough Absolutely. place to play, and Atlanta plays much better at home. They're one of those teams that plays significantly better. But good to note they are in a dome, so a lot of that away-from-home stuff does have to do with the fact that they have to play outside. In Minnesota, they will be playing inside. Uh, Baltimore Ravens at Miami Dolphins. The Baltimore Ravens are a touchdown favorite on the road. Miami, one of those teams that we're going to see uh, some pretty heavy spreads against these the, uh, this team. They're one of the favorites to uh, end up getting the number one overall pick this year. So, Jamie, I'll go to you first here. Your overall thoughts on this game. Uh, you're not starting any Dolphins, uh, so that's number <laughs> one, one. Unless you're in a super deep league, again, Kenyon Drake and Albert Wilson, you know, maybe if you're in a super deep 14-16 team league with two flexes, uh, then at that point you might they might be in consideration for you. On the Baltimore side, I love the Ravens this week. I think they're this is they're going to unleash this like newish offense that the league will catch up to, and better teams will be able to slow down. But the Dolphins don't. The Dolphins won't be able to do that. This will be new. Uh, Lamar Jackson's my number seven quarterback this week. Mark Ingram's my number thirteen running back. I think Justice Hill uh, is worthy of deep, deep, deep flex consideration. Uh, I, I like the Ravens to cover win this game, cover this game. And if you remember, I already locked in something on this game last week. If you were listening. Uh, and I hope you grabbed it then. My lock is the over on 37.5 points. It's already up to 39, and I've seen it uh, even up to 39.5 some places. So I uh, hope you locked that in with me last week. Yeah, I got the Ravens covering as well. I got, I got 28-17. I, I think they go down there. They, they lull all of this into a false security of how good this offense is going to be against a really bad team. Uh, I'd love if, – if you don't have Justice Hill now – Grab him because the report came out yesterday that they're going to go with the hot hand at running back, which means he's going to get some touches, some catches. Jamie and I have talked at nauseum in this preseason about how he fits this offense better than Mark Ingram does. When he's in there, he's liable to look sharper until Mark Ingram really gets the nuances of the read option, all the stuff that they're doing. Uh, look, Miami's bad. The Ravens defense is going to be really solid. I don't think they're as good as they've been in the past. But they're going to be really solid. And this offense is going to look great for three or four weeks until everybody catches up and they start playing better teams. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking Baltimore's gonna take care of business here. I think it's a I think it's at least a touchdown game, if not more than that. I'll probably pick them by ten here. And I and I'm not anticipating that we're gonna see much from Miami. I think they're the conversation surrounding this team already is in tank mode, right? You see the tank for Tula stuff that's already happening. That is terrifying seeing as there hasn't even they haven't even watched one football game in Miami yet so the expectations are not very high Baltimore is going to look pretty good and I don't think this is going to be a a close game and I would just avoid Miami Dolphins players in general number one fantasy defense this week Baltimore yep 
Number one, I was going to say it's a, an easy one to pick out uh, this week. The next game we're going to talk about here is Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. They're going on the road. The Jets are getting the standard three-point home uh, advantage. Jake, I'll go to you first here. What are your thoughts on this game? I picked that, too. I got 24-21 Jets. Uh, I think they win at home. They were really good at home last year and really bad on the road. I think Sam Darnold takes a big step forward. I think adding Le'Veon Bell to that offense is enough firepower for them to be significantly better on offense than they were a year ago. But I've said it a bunch of times. I'll say it again. They might have the best middle of any defense in the NFL with the Williams brothers up front, C.J. Mosley and Josh Adams. That defense is legit. I think these teams are very, very similar on how they could finish the year seven and nine, eight and eight kind of things. Uh, but I'm going to take the Jets at home. If I got to lean towards one or the other, I'll lean towards the Jets covering. And I'm going to be on the opposite side of that. I'm going to take the Bills here and the points. I'm not ready to pick them to win outright. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really close game. The Jets have really struggled uh, against the spread against their other AFC East teams. I think they're very similar in talent level across the board. I think Buffalo's defense continues to be underrated. Uh, I, I want to see how this Adam Gase offense performs. Is it going to be any different now that there's a higher level of talent than the team that he was working with in Miami? Uh, and just kind of interesting note that the Jets have not covered against the spread at home in their last five home games. Um, so that's a very interesting thing to note as well as the underdog is seven and one against the spread in the last eight meetings. But I just think these are two really close teams. I think this is a one possession game. I think this is a field goal game, maybe either way, maybe only a two point game. So I'm going to lean to getting the points here on the bills. All right. 23, 20 jets win. um, picking right on the line. So that means stay away. Uh, I think this is going to be another one. Of Wait, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. Since I've done that twice now, I have to lean one over the I'll just say stay away, but you got to pick one. Yeah. I'd tell Paige to drop her sack like I told Jamie last week, but that would be pretty ridiculous. So I won't say that now. Uh, I'm going to pick Buffalo to cover that. I, I actually like Buffalo covering more than I like New York at home. So I'm going to pick Buffalo to, to cover the three. I like it right on the line, but if I have to pick one side, I will pick Buffalo to cover and go with Jamie on that one. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs going on the road to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are four-point underdogs at home. Uh, I kind of interested to hear you guys' thoughts on this because I think we differ from everybody else with Kansas City Chiefs and their expectations for their team this year. I know we all have them being a playoff team, but you know they're one of the Super Bowl favorites in Vegas. Uh, the expectations are very high for Patrick Mahomes, uh, but their defense is not good, and that is saying it nicely. So, Jamie, I'll go to you first here. Your thoughts on this game and, and who are you picking? Well, first off, let's say uh, congrats to Tyreek Hill for his new contract extension that he got since we've started recording this show. Uh, so <laughs> he, he's, he got paid. Uh, so much for, you know, culture and all that stuff. But uh, I digress back to this game. Uh, don't get cute with your Chiefs players in fantasy. Just You're playing Patrick Mahomes. You're playing Damian Williams. You're playing Tyreek Hill. Like, don't, don't get cute in this game. Uh, the Jaguars are good against the run, but they're not always great against pass-catching running backs, which is what Damian Williams is. Tyreek Hill's going to get his. Patrick Mahomes is still a must-start player. Uh, don't get cute on that side. My uh, For the Jaguar side, Fournette's going to be a monster, I think, in this game. He's my number four running back this week. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is definitely worthy of flex consideration. But I'm a, I am don't know what to do with this game. This is the complete stay away from me. Just because I think the Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs cover the four points. But the Jaguars can put together a formula that can beat the Chiefs. My concern is I have no trust in Nick Foles. Like, I, I don't think this is an upgrade over Blake Bortles. We've talked about this throughout the offseason. I'm just really nervous that as much as this is a prime area for the Chiefs to get upset, 
Nick Foles has to be the one to do it, I think. Like, Nick Foles is going to have to make enough plays in this game to, to keep up with the Chiefs' offense, and I just don't think he can do it. Really? All right, so I'm going to shock both of you. And not only am I going to pick the Jags to cover, I'm going to pick them to win. I knew it. I knew it. 24-21 Jags. Patrick Mahomes struggled against his defense last year, and his defense is better. I think Fournette has a big day. I agree with Jamie that I don't think Foles is that big of an upgrade from Bortles at all. But I like this Jaguars team back healthy and flying well under the radar. Uh, This defense is legit when healthy and put together. They have two shutdown corners, Jalen Ramsey, Killed Tyreek Hill last year. I just, I'm not that, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to be fine as the season goes on. I don't think this is going to be the greatest fantasy day for all of these guys that got drafted so high. Um, They're still going on the road. Not like it's a hard place to play, but still going on the road, period. It can be windy there. And I think Patrick Mahomes is limping when this game is over with and that they don't pull it off. I think the Jags not only cover, but they win. Uh, so I wanted so de- I want so desperately to believe uh, that because I think I, I'm 100% the Jags are going to cover plus four. Uh, I, I don't think I think that's an easy one here, but I, I want to pick Jacksonville to win an easy I, one, huh? Uh, I th- I think so. I a, team wanna... that, a team that lost to them by 16 points last year. It's an easy I, one, huh? Because they're going on the road, Jamie. To start that team was in disarray last year. I don't put anything into last year. Yeah, I I think this is going to be. I don't know. I, I have this weird feeling. I've had the weird feeling about it since I saw it on the schedule because there's all this hype around Kansas City and it just feels like a prime opportunity for that for that for that upset to happen. But I'm gonna pick Kansas City to sneak by and, and win that game. Uh just just by a hair. Just gonna win by I, I think like some some stupid score, like twenty one twenty eight, but I think Jacksonville covers. Um and maybe I'll change my mind about Jacksonville winning if I uh drop my sack as as Jake so eloquently <laughs> on in this podcast. I would never tell you that thing. No, you wouldn't, but it was so funny. Uh LA Rams going on the road to play the Carolina Panthers. The Rams are a two point favorite on the road. Um, guys, is there anything to the West Coast team going East Coast in this matchup, or is that a storyline we're not going to buy into? I'll go to you first, Jamie. Yes, I'm, I'm picking the upset in this game. I'll take Panthers in the points. Uh, the Rams, look, I know they were they survived it last year, but literally nobody of any significance has played one second of football since the Super Bowl. Like, not one second. Yep. Uh, and, and so that, that scares me. The Rams have are 0-5 against their spread the last five times they've gone to Carolina. The Panthers are always really strong on opening week. They're healthy right now. I don't think they're going to be healthy all season, but they're healthy right now. Uh, I do very much believe in the West Coast, East Coast for the early start time. It's been proven time and time again that that is a disadvantage on some level. Uh, I think the Panthers win this game outright. Wow. So I said earlier that the only team that looked good without playing their guys was the Rams. I am down on the Panthers. That defense is getting old. I do like Cam's new throwing motion, but I think he's going to revert back when times get tough. And there's one reason I think the Rams get this done, and that's because Aaron Donald doesn't need practice to kick that offensive line's ass and be chasing Cam all over the place. The foot might be okay that he's not being held back, but I don't think the foot's okay that he's going to outrun Aaron Donald. I got the Rams winning 30-21. to 21. Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm with Jamie on this one. I'm actually going to pick Carolina to win as well, 23-20 here, because I believe in the West Coast teams going East. I, it is, I believe that too. Is, I believe that too. A- but Sean McVay I love, and th- that defense is going to be legit, and I just do not buy 
Cam in this offense yeah, yet. I, I get it. But this offense in LA hasn't looked the same since about, I don't know, that game where Chicago shut them out on Sunday night football last November. Uh, they never really looked all that good uh, ever since then. They just, yeah, they squawked. The, obviously they, they weren't as, as high powered as we had seen them. So I think not playing in the preseason could impact this offense overall. And I just think that West coast to East coast thing really, really in, 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 in conjunction with the preseason stuff, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to take care of business at home. So definitely the plus two, but I like them to win outright as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm with Jamie on this one. One thing um, I'm really interested in seeing from just a – not just a fantasy, but just a scheme standpoint for the Rams, they ran a lot of like multi-tight end sets in the preseason. I want to see if, especially coming off the ACL, if Cooper Cup is not on the field for more plays that we have seen him at least early in the season, and they bring in a, a, a Gerald Everett or a Tyler Higbee or somebody else in that offense. I'm curious to see if there's going to be any tight end relevance in that offense because we didn't see any of it when Cooper Cup was on the field last year, but we did see Gerald Everett have a little bit of success late in the season when they had to put him in. Otherwise, again, you're starting your studs. I mean, McCaffrey's my number two running back. Gurley's my number 11 this week. You're starting Cooks. You're starting Woods. Um, I think one of the two Panthers receivers probably has a big game. I just don't know which one it's going to be, and I feel like that's going to be the case all season long. Okay, the game that I'm most excited to talk to you guys about is this game uh, for a lot of reasons. Tennessee Titans at Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns getting six points at home. Uh, Very interested to talk about this because we have been – uh, not, I don't want to say we've been harsh on Cleveland because we have, I think we've been fair, right? I, I, realistic. I think we've been fair. I think fair is the right word, realistic, to think that uh, a jump from complete insignificance over the last, I don't know, 20 years and one year of winning six games doesn't justify Super Bowl aspirations coming into this year. And I think that this is a, this is an interesting matchup here. We're all down on Tennessee, mostly because we're down on Mariota. Um, but this is an interesting matchup here. Jamie, I'll go to you first. What do you see happening in this one? That I think Deion Lewis owners that start him in a flex spot this week are going to be very happy. Uh, I expect the Titans to be down late in this game. And I think when that game script comes up, it's not Derrick Henry that's going to be in the game, but Deion Lewis. And we've talked about that a lot. Uh, look, this is going to be – you're starting your Brown studs. You're starting Otto Beckham. You're starting Nick Chubb. There's, you're starting Baker Mayfield. There's really no actionable advice there. Um, I, you're starting Jarvis Landry in a flex spot. Most likely maybe you have a really good draft and, and you can have somebody else in that role. Uh, I'm not – I mean, Corey Davis, maybe if you have to. Uh, I do worry – I do think he's going to get enough targets because I think the Titans are going to have to throw a bunch, even though they're going to be a lot of junk targets. I've been trying to think of a reason why to not pick the Browns minus six because the hype's <laughs> out of control. But the Titans are not a good football team. They're an extremely well-coached football team, but they're not a good football team. And I just I think the Browns can at least win this game by a touchdown. So I'm going to take them minus six. Yeah, I got the Browns 28-20. I'm going to give you the biggest reason why the Titans are going to struggle. The Browns' defense is legit, and Taylor Lewan is suspended. Their star left tackle is not going to play. With bad quarterback play and now a backup left tackle, this offense is going to do Zero. I don't know that they're going to get to 20. I'm trying to be kind of nice here and be a little bit more. I don't know what the hell I'm trying to be because I think the Browns, I think the Browns are going to give you the same thing that I said about Jacksonville, false sense of security about how good they're going to be because everybody's expecting the Titans to be what they were last year. I don't think they are. I think the big, big step back. And I think the Browns win, you know, 30 to 20, 28, 20, and there's an OBJ touchdown and Chubb has a hundred yards. They think that's going to happen every week. I think they're going to build to that. I think they're going to have to take a step back and then really get into some games where they're going to have to figure out who they are and what they want to do. But I don't think they're going to struggle that much in this one. Taylor Lewan being out for this game is, is a huge detriment to the Titans. Maybe it's because I watched Aaron Rodgers 
barely scraped to 10 points, but it's hard for me to imagine that the Tennessee Titans are going to score 20 points. Uh, I just, I, I think that Cleveland, although we've been, as I said, fair uh, to tease this, I, I think Cleveland takes care of business and it's probably 27-17. I don't think it's all that close. This Tennessee Titans team would be better off going with Ryan Tannehill. The faster they get there, the faster this team will have any opportunity uh, I just I haven't seen anything from Mariota in that offense that makes leads me to believe that they can have any success, especially on the road against a very good Cleveland defense. Uh, Washington Redskins going on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Big spread here. Philadelphia Eagles favored by 10 points at home. One of the early Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. Jake, I'll go to you first here. What do you see happening in this one? I think the Eagles, you know, they didn't play anybody either. Yep. Uh, Carson Wentz didn't hasn't played in a long time. I think they come out pretty sharp. I'm not big on this this Skins team at all. Jay Gruden's done a hell of a job for a couple years with nothing. I, I'm on record as saying I think he's a hell of a coach. I think he does a hell of a job. I think the Eagles win this pretty handily at home, 31-20. Uh, I think Miles Sanders has a big second half because they're up, and they, they feel comfortable enough getting him in and getting some touches and getting some real NFL experience from a fantasy point of view. Uh, offensively, I think Ertz has a big week because I think Carson Wentz is going to go where he's most comfortable early in the first half. And I'm not expecting a whole lot from the Skins. Darius Geis maybe some flex consideration because he's now the starter. And Jay Gruden says he's going to have more carries than Adrian Peterson. The running game is going to go through him. I don't like him this week, but I like him moving forward in a flex play. Uh, but I think the Eagles win this pretty handily. As do I. Uh, the line's high. It's 10, and I don't care. The Redskins are terrible. The Redskins are going to be in contention for the one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, but I do want to, to, to talk about Jake's point quickly. Jay Gruden's going to get fired, and he's probably going to have to go be a coordinator somewhere. But the next head coach job that Jay Gruden gets, he's going to be successful. He does not get enough credit for the the success, at least the limited success that the Redskins had there. Uh, and we talked about this on the show. I, I have no idea why Jay Gruden doesn't get any credit for the Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay stuff. Uh, every, <laughs> nothing. It's crazy. Everybody, John yeah. Gruden does, but Jay gets yeah, nothing. Jay gets nothing. John Gruden hired, hired Sean McVay to like to wash cars or something. And for some reason, that that's, uh, <laughs> he gets more credit than Jay Gruden does. Uh, but I, I digress. Uh, I don't like Geist this week that much. I mean, you're probably – you can consider him in a flex spot. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball much in the second half. Chris Thompson could be a sneaky DFS play if you're looking to kind of go against the crowd because I think he's going to get a lot of time in the second half of this game. I agree that Ertz has a monster game. Uh, the Redskins haven't covered the spread against the Eagles in two years, and it's not going to start now. Uh, I'm just kind of interested to see what the backfield mix looks like in the first half for Philadelphia. That's going to tell us more than what the whole game will. So I'm interested to see that. But, yeah, the Eagles should be perfectly fine to start with at least a two-touchdown victory on opening day. Yeah, 31-20 Philadelphia, they take care of business. Like like these guys said, uh, Washington is going to be in contention for one of the worst teams in football, and and I agree with both you guys. Jay Gruden's a hell of a coach, and I would say in spite of the fact that Dan Snyder is the worst owner in the NFL and over overzealous, over, gets overly involved, completely doctored up that Kirk, Kirk Cousins situation, uh, it's very hard to be a head coach there, and I think Jay Gruden's done a hell of a job in spite of everything that happens with that ownership team. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to play the Seattle Seahawks. Another big line here, guys. Nine and a half for the Seahawks at home. Cincinnati's one of the other teams that uh, a lot of people are down on. Jake, I'll go to you first here. What are your thoughts on Seattle and Cincinnati? You know, I'm not as down on the Bengals as everybody else. I don't think this defense is going to be very good. But I go back to my Matt LaFleur comments. You're going to see a lot of the same stuff. you got a head coach that really hasn't ever done anything. He's now a head coach calling plays for the first time in Seattle, which is damn hard to play at. We all know that. I, I think the Seahawks, even though they're a little, little limited at receiver, DK Metcalf says he's 100%. He's going to be there. 
I think the Seahawks win pretty handily. I got them 27-17 winning at home. I can see it worse than that, but this Bengals offense could be sneaky good at times. Um, They're going to have to figure out how to do that without A.J. Green until he comes back, but I'm not as down on the Bengals because I think this offense could be pretty good at times. I think they might, and I think both teams might start a little bit slow. Seahawks are going to run it a ton in the first half, so I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. Yeah, this is a complete and utter stay away from me because I'm going to pick the Seahawks to cover, but I don't like it at all because here's why. Vegas is too low on the Bengals and too high on the Seahawks. And I hate when, when that combination happens, you get these weird lines. Uh, and, and I just I think the Seahawks have been overrated in Vegas and by the public, and also the Bengals have been underrated. Uh, not the greatest matchup for Joe Mixon, but you're starting him. There's nothing to worry about there. Uh, Tyler Boyd is starting as a wide receiver too. Flex for you. Don't care about anybody else at all in Cincinnati. In Seattle, Carson's going to have a monster game. The only thing that's going to prevent Carson from being the number one fantasy player this week is the fact that they're going to be up late and they might not need, need him in the game in the second half. Uh, he's going to have a monster week. I think if you're looking for a super deep play, maybe Rashad Penny can also get some of those touches, particularly in the second half. Uh, I Lockett should be a must-start. DK Metcalf, I'm not. I'm waiting to see on, on DK Metcalf. I'm probably not starting him this week unless I have like a five wide receiver league or something. Uh, he's somebody that's just at, like just inside my top 50 wide receivers. Kind of want to wait and see how the targets are distributed a little bit. Same thing with Will Disley. I want to see how he gets – if he's on the field and healthy and how many snaps he gets. But I'm going to pick the Seahawks to cover, but I don't like this. This, this line is, is too high. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Jamie, that the line is too high, and that's why I'm going to pick what, – What was the line again? Nine and, and a half. half. Nine and a half. All right, so I got it a half a, half a point yeah. over. I- yeah, I probably, I probably, I mean, I'm gonna keep my score, but I kind of agree with you guys the way that that's going. I think I, Jamie said it perfectly, though. Too high on the Seahawks, too low. Yeah, on the but Bengals. that's why I'm gonna actually pick Cincinnati to cover that spread. I think it's 27-20 because I think everything that we just said is that everyone's too high on the Seahawks and everyone's too low on on Cincinnati. Mostly too, mostly I, I don't agree with the just Cincinnati is gonna be a bottom three team. I, I just don't see that, and that's pretty much what I've seen out there from from every other national media outlet. I. I like a lot of what they have offensively. I do think Seattle is going to take care of business and win by a touchdown. But, man, 10 points is a lot. Uh, so I, I like the Seahawks 27-20, and I like Cincinnati to cover that spread. Next game here, Indianapolis Colts going on the road to play the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Jake, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I was so high on them. And then they turned into the Chargers again with these injuries, Melvin Gordon thing. And we were so high on the Colts, and then Andrew Luck retires. Yeah. And I'm not as down on them as a lot of people are. Uh, I think they went – I don't know who this new dude is on NFL Network that has his power rankings they keep showing, but he's a freaking moron. He went from – they went from like 5th to 20th in, in his power rankings. I, I don't – anyway, I'll jump off of that before I get myself in trouble. Um, the Bolts have zero home field advantage, but it doesn't matter. I, I think they're – they got them 28-23. So if it's six and a half, I got them. I don't have them covered. I think the Colts are still going to be sneaky good. That front seven is is, is good. I think Jacoby Brissett, like I said, taking all the reps from preseason OTAs, everything. He's going to be ready to play. Uh, I think they're going to be okay, and I think the Bolts are going to struggle a little bit. They got to figure out if, if it's Eckler, if it's Jackson, what that's going to look like. I think Keenan Allen has a, a big day. I think uh, Hunter Henry has a big day. I think T. Y. Hilton is T. Y. Hilton, and I think Marlon Mack probably has a decent day. But I think it's a pretty close game. Yeah, it, this this was a tough one for me. I'm going to take the Chargers to win by a touchdown here. Uh, I, again, I, I am higher. We talked in the show. I think collectively are higher on the Colts than it seems that other people are. I just think that the, the Chargers just still have enough talent to get the job done. I'm worried about, again, no Derwin James. That's a problem. 
Uh, I think Naeem Hines actually could have an interesting, a strong, interesting game here because I think the Colts are going to need to throw a lot in the second half. And I don't know if Mac's going to be on the field for all those passing downs. He, he was in the preseason. He wasn't last season. So let's kind of see what, what that turns into. Uh, but again, you're starting Mac. I, I think you're starting T.Y. Hilton. I'm, I'm not starting Devin Funches this week. I'm not – you know, Doyle would be the start of the two tight ends for me, but you might have a better option than Doyle or Ebron this week. You know, Chargers – I think Mike Williams has a monster game too. Uh, I, I think he's going to have – I think – I, th- I think point. Mike Williams and, and Hunter Henry are going to have the biggest games of the bunch. I think uh, Keenan Allen will have a good game. I just think this is a one-touchdown game. This is probably a stay away for me because I don't think – I think you're going to be sweating this one out till the very end, but I'm going to take Phillip Rivers at home by seven. Yeah, I don't I don't like it, but I'm going to also choose the LA Chargers by, by a touchdown here. 27-20 uh, to take care of business, but I like the Colts a lot more than everybody else does. As as you guys have both reiterated, I know that we we are collectively higher than everybody else. Obviously, they're not going to be as good without Andrew Luck. That goes without saying, but I do think that they will put up a good fight, and the Chargers are doing what the Chargers do. Like Jake said, unfortunately, they have – injury plague there in LA and it continues uh, specifically with a lot of the playmakers and, and it's going to be tough uh, for that team to live up to the expectations we had for them. If they cannot get all these guys healthy. Uh, okay, so let, me I- jump, let me jump back in quickly before we move on. Uh, Chargers backfield is going to be interesting because I, I was the guy last year. I own Melvin Gordon, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. And I kind of watched the scenario closely. They want Austin Eckler to be the guy. But when they have given him the opportunity to be the guy, it hasn't worked, and they have gone back to a more a bigger split with Justin Jackson. I think we're going to kind of see that this year. I think we're going to kind of, we're going to see both backs have a lot of fantasy relevance this year, and I think Justin Jackson at his draft value from where you got him is probably going to be more valuable to you given where he was taken than Austin Eckler. Eckler's role is going to remain the same each week, but I think Justin Jackson has the ability to spike because we haven't seen Eckler has sustained success running between the tackles. Even when they, even when Gordon's been out, that's a great point. They went to London last year, and everybody was expecting Eckler to have that big game when Melvin Gordon was out, and it was Jackson that didn't, and Eckler didn't do anything. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens there. It was enough for me to stay away from both all, you know, all the drafts. Uh, the game that I would like to skip, but we have we were required to talk about, is the Detroit Lions going on the road to play the Arizona Cardinals. Um, if I'm not gonna watch a game over the weekend, it's probably gonna be that one. Uh, not it's the Detroit Lions are a three point favorite on the road to play Arizona. Uh, even money on Detroit. I think this is listen. I don't think either. This line's been going up. Yeah, this line's been going up and up and up. Yeah, I don't think either one of these teams are going to be all that good, um, but I don't expect a lot from Arizona. So I, I am interested to hear what Jake has to has to say over there. I know about Kyler Murray and company. What do you think is going to happen in that one? I think it's a must watch. Oh, I agree. Are you kidding me? The greatest, the greatest offensive invention in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Not vanilla, but we're talking about sprinkles and chocolate syrup <laughs> and reverse passes. And the fastest high-speed offense in the history. Like, come on, man! You don't want to watch that. What you're going to see is on Johnson run for 200 plus and three touchdowns. Yep. I got the Lions 27-20. Cardinals defense is bad. Patrick Peterson's out. Alfred's hurt. They're going to struggle on defense. And if they're going to go this high speed, if they go three and out three times in a row, the game's over. The Lions are going to run down their throat. I think Galladay has a pretty big game. I think Marvin Jones has a pretty solid game. I think Stafford has a great matchup. But I don't think they're going to have to. I don't think they're going to need him. I think Kerryon Johnson is going to have a monster day, and I don't know what the hell to expect from this Cardinals offense. That's why I think it's a must-watch. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just got to see what happens uh, with this offense. But uh, as far as the Lions go, uh, Kerryon Johnson is going to have a big day. But I think it might be quelled a little bit because 
I just have a sneaky feeling CJ Anderson's going to get in the end zone in this game. I just have a feeling. I really like him in DFS. I like that. I think he gets in the end zone in the second Maybe half. Maybe twice. I like I, 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 Patricia yeah. loves CJ Anderson. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But both backs are going to be really strong in the game. Uh, Marvin Jones is my sneaky player of the week. I love him. I, I think he's going to have an awesome game this week. I think he's still the number one there over Kenny Galladay. And I think that will prove out over the course of the season. For the Cardinals, I am their fourth string cornerback right now. So that's, that, that should scare you uh, a little bit of that. They have what rookies in their second and third string cornerbacks. Uh, it's just, I, I'm taking the line. By the way, I still love Matt Stafford, yeah. right? Like Matt Stafford gets no credit for being one of the most elite arm talents in the league still. He hasn't gone anywhere. No, and look, this Cardinals defense can't stop anybody. Like this is, so Lions minus three here. Uh, the Lions are going to be a good ball control team too. Like they're going to get up in this game and they're just going to milk that clock. And I, I just think this is going to be, this is probably, of, if to play a bad team for the Cardinals, like this is probably the worst bad team to play based on just stylistically. So uh, I don't have high expectations for Arizona. Uh, I'm going to take the, the Lions minus three here. Yeah. Yeah, I will say this too before we jump off pages. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Matt Patricia as a head coach. I think he got a lot better as the season went on last year. But I do like where he comes from. And he was the mastermind with Bell, Bill Belichick of all those defensive schemes when they played all this stuff. And we're talking about coaching staffs. And my sources say that there's going to be a significant learning curve with this offense of this Cardinals that's supposed to come out high-flying, whatever. If there's anybody that's going to be ready for that, I think it's going to be Matt Patricia. And I think he's going to do it by playing pretty vanilla, pretty simple. Everybody thinks they're going to play man and blitz the hell out of Kyler Murray. I think he's just going to say, keep everything underneath. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't think there's going to be anything crazy the Lions do. I think he's going to be more prepared than a lot of coaches would be to play this team in the yeah. opening. And I think that alone says is leaps and bounds ahead of where the Cardinals are going to be coaching. Yeah, and I think as, as you guys both pointed out and Jamie specifically, the, because the Cardinals are going to struggle defensively, I, think, I just expect Detroit to really control the clock, uh, run the ball very effectively throughout this entire game. Uh, I'm going to pick them 20 to 17. Uh, I don't think that offense in Arizona is going to score more than, more than 17 points. And if I have to go over, cause the, the line is three, I'm going to pick Detroit to cover the three on the road. Uh, and before all the Cardinals freaking fans get at me, I like Cliff. I think they're going to be fine. I like the staff they put together, but there's not cohesiveness on that staff yet. He's still coaching these guys that have been in the NFL a long time on what the air raid means. And they're all coaching him on what the hell it means in the NFL. Yeah, they've got, it's just, it's- so before you get at me about, oh, I'm a, I'm a hater because my dad's not there, get, get off my ass about it. I like Cliff. I love Kyler. I think he's going to be fun as hell to watch, but they don't have a lot of weapons. It's a, it's a, it's a, stiff, it's a hard learning curve in the NFL in general, uh, and especially when you got a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach coming in with no experience. So I think the, the Arizona Cardinal fans and collective media that expect that it's going to be just an absolute – uh, they're going to turn from this offense that we saw in the preseason. They're just going to turn on a button, and it's going to be this high-flying offense. I think that's pretty unrealistic expectations. New York Giants going on the road to play the Dallas Cowboys. Another big line here. Cowboys, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott going to be playing. This team we all liked a lot before all the shenanigans happened with, these, with Ezekiel Elliott. So I think now, obviously, we're looking at this team and, and expecting that they're going to – Give Philadelphia a run for their money. Um, a lot of people think it's going to be pretty easy for Philadelphia to wrap up that division. I disagree. I think Dallas is going to be a hell of a ball team this year. Jamie, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, line is high, but it deserves to be high. The Giants are one of the worst teams in football, and their only usual weekly advantage is a lesser weekly advantage this week because they go up against Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, 
look, I think Elliott's more of a flex play this week. You're going to start him. You dra- you invested the draft capital in him, usually in the top five. You're going to start him this week, but temper your expectations. Uh, I do think Tony Pollard is startable in a flex role this week because I think he might actually out-snap or match the snaps that Ezekiel Elliott has. The Cowboys are just so talented on both sides of the ball, and the Giants are just so not. Uh, Evan Ingram should have a big game. Uh, I, I think Sterling Shepard could have a pretty decent matchup. Uh, you know, Saquon is Saquon. He's going to get his. This is not the greatest matchup in the world for him, but he's going to get his. But I, I think the Cowboys cover this game. I think there's. I just don't think the Giants can keep up offensively. I really don't. Yeah, I originally wrote down twenty four sixteen Cowboys. I think it's more like twenty seven sixteen. I think the Giants kick some field goals. Uh, I think uh, I think Saquon gets his. I think a lot of it's the second half when they're they're just throwing it, trying to catch up. I agree with you all the way across the board. I think Evan Ingram has a pretty big day. Uh, I think Zeke could be like sixty five yards rushing and a touchdown, and maybe three catches for thirty five yards. I think he has a pretty solid game. So if you took him, I, I think they're throwing him right in there. I, I think he, you know, it's not gonna be his normal workload where he's like I think twenty eight games since he came in the league over what twenty five touches or something like that. Like like that's big. That's a crazy workload. He's not getting that. But I think he has enough that he has a pretty solid day against a yeah, bad he looked, team. He's gonna get he's gonna get his. It's not gonna be a normal workload, but he's definitely gonna be startable. Uh, I'm gonna pick the Cowboys to cover the spread here, twenty eight twenty. Echo everything you guys just said. It's just the Giants are a bad football team, and that is a reflection in the line. All right, next one we're getting into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home against the San Francisco 49ers. The Bucks a one point favorite at home. Jamie, I will go to you first here. Your thoughts on the game. My thoughts? Lock of the week. Let me talk about this for a second. So you got a quarterback that's looked terrible in practice and in the preseason coming off of ACL (laughs) surgery, okay? So let's say you have this quarterback, and he's a little nervous about how his knee's going to hold up because he hasn't really played a lot of time on it since major surgery. So what's the worst thing? What's that quarterback's nightmare? I think that nightmare is Todd Bowles blitzing <laughs> the holy hell out of him early, often, and always. I think that he's going to – Jimmy G is going to be extremely rattled, especially early in this game. Uh, I am not buying the 49ers hype on either side of the ball this year. I think the Bucs can put up plenty of points. I do think it's going to be a, a close game. I don't think this is a blowout by any means. But I do not think the San Francisco offense comes to Tampa, even though it's a later start time, so it's not quite the 10 a.m. start from West Coast to East Coast. Uh, but I think the Bucks are – they're energized. They are ready. They're excited to show what they can do on offense. I think you have a quarterback that's questioning whether his knee can hold up on the other side and hasn't played a significant football game in a long time. I love the Bucks at home this week. By the way, Chris Godwin, my number six overall wide receiver this week. He's going he's gonna to go it. off in the slot. Um, I think Evans has a decent game, especially if he's lined up on, on Weatherspoon and not Richard Sherman for most of the game. Uh, I, I love all the pass-catching options on Tampa this week. That's my that's my second lock of the week is Bucks minus one. Jake, I know you're, I, I know wow. you're not going to – I love it. Go, go ahead and, yeah, go ahead and set it up, Yeah, I know you're not going to this game, but I want to hear your fantasy thoughts because if you go to the draftnetwork.com right now and you check out their Twitter account – we have a few guys that we all like, and one of the featured quarterbacks is Jameis Winston because I am in agreement with Jamie. I am not buying anything in San Francisco, and I think this is – I love that it's a lock of the week, but, Jake, your thoughts just from a football perspective overall. Yeah, so look, I mean, you do have a West Coast team coming all the way across the country, and they're playing in a hot, yep. humid environment. You have a bunch of injuries, a bunch of injuries. I mean, you got their starting center, Bosa, Verrett, 
you, Garoppolo, whatever his health is, he's healthy, but he's, you know, mentally he's, he might not be there yet. They have a bunch of unproven weapons on offense. And yeah, they got four first rounders across that defensive line. That scares me a little bit. Uh, the, the Bucks are going to try to run the ball. I think Peyton Barber could have Peyton Barber's a better play than Ronald Jones early in the season until Ronald Jones proves that home run hitting ability. I think uh, OJ Howard has a big game. I think Godwin has a big game. Um, you have proven commodities on that Bucks offense. The biggest difference to me is Vita Vea back healthy, Levante David back healthy. The Bucks are healthy. And all these guys, other than Vita and Levante, played the entire preseason. They added a ton of speed to this team. Um, and there's a ton of excitement. They, they, they seem more ready to play sharp than most of the teams I've seen because they have more reps. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident about this one. I, I'm glad Jamie's locking it in because I think this is a, a, a listen. Like we talked about, West Coast team going East Coast. I know it's not an early matchup, but it's still the, the travel that it, that it involves. It is not to be underestimated the difference between what it is like to play in San Francisco and what it is like to play in the hot humidity in Tampa Bay. It affects teams. You have seen it time and time again when teams go to Miami or Jacksonville or Tampa. It is tough to play there when it is hot and humid, especially when you're used to playing in California with absolutely no humidity. I also just have no belief in the San Francisco team. So I think this is a pretty easy one. I think it's 24-20 Tampa, maybe even a little bit more than that. And I think Jimmy G's running for his life, just as Jamie uh, predicted. Last game we're going to get into, Sunday night football. Very excited for this game. Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road to play the New England Patriots. One of our favorite matchups, Big Ben versus Tom Brady. Time and time again, this one has gifted us some great football games. The New England Patriots are a six-point favorite at home. Jake, I'm going to go to you first. What are your thoughts on this game, and are you going to pick an upset? Uh, apparently I am. I'm going to take the Steelers 27-23. Uh, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to be ready to play. I just don't think they're as good. That offensive line scares me. They've got, they've got people they've lost. they got injuries. They're a little bit limited at weapons. I think the Steelers' defense is going to be a lot better than they were last year. I think they're going to stop the run pretty well. They're going to load up to stop the run. And I don't know that Brady has the same kind of guys that he's killed the Steelers with in the past. Normally I'd always pick the Patriots against the Steelers because they always seem to pull it off. But I think the Steelers' offense could be really, really good. I think Juju has a big night. I think James Washington proves a two. I think Moncrief has a nice night. I don't know that Connor has a big night running the ball, but I think Bill Belichick's going to put it on Ben and try to stop the run, and I I think Ben comes through. I think it's a pretty close game. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Two really solid teams. Uh, But if if you're going to catch the Patriots, it's going to be in week one or week two, and I think the Steelers catch them. Yeah, I'm going to continue my annual tradition of picking against the teams that are having a banner ceremony in the pregame. Uh, it's just it's like one of the things I love doing so much. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to pick the Steelers to win this game, but I'm definitely going to pick them to cover the six-point spread here. Uh, I, I do think the Patriots are going to run the ball pretty effectively. I, I'd really be really happy if I was a Sony Michelle owner or James White, I think, in the middle of the field is going to have a big game, especially with no real tight end option there right now. Uh, Josh Gordon, obviously, you're starting Gordon, you're starting Edelman. Uh, for the Steelers, it's going to be fun to see, like, can James Washington be that guy in game one? Can he give him that big play? You know, how is Dante Moncrief used? How many snaps is, is Vance McDonald in for? And maybe the more interesting one is, is Jalen Samuels going to be an X factor for them in games all year? I'm very curious to see how they use him, both as a receiver and in the back. Great point. Uh, so I'm really excited to kind of see how that all works out. Uh, I, I know the Steelers have struggled in New England, but – I'm not necessarily picking them to win this game, but I think they, they. I think this is a field goal at the end of the game type deal, so I'll take them and the six points. 
I am going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers to upset because I, uh, like J- like Jake said earlier, New England usually uh, gets upset one or two games at the beginning, and then they lose in Miami at the end of the year. For some, that is that is how this that this has been scripted for the last I don't know fifteen years with this team is you can catch them early and then they lose in Miami later on in the season and they end up being twelve and four and winning the division. Uh, I think it's going to be this. I have a lot of faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know as we've talked about at nauseum, it seems like we all like the Steelers much more than the rest of uh, the NFL community. But specifically, I think with all this Antonio Brown stuff going on, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably just sitting back in their locker room, thoroughly enjoying the fact that this is no longer their problem and they're going to go on there and they're going to take care of business. Uh, I just think it's the one time New England gets caught up at the early beginning of the season. And I think it's going to be Pittsburgh that does it. So 23-20, Pittsburgh takes care of it. Uh, but specific, 100% I have them covering the spread. I just like this upset. I, I, I like Pittsburgh, and uh, maybe it's – I think I'm going to pick them to win this. I think I'm going to change my uh, initial thoughts on, on Super Bowl picks, and I think Pittsburgh's going to gonna be the team uh, standing at the end. Guys, any any last-minute thoughts? Yeah. One thing I want to – because this got tweeted out by Rappaport while we were on the air because the Raiders – I should go back to my Raiders rant from the start of the show because they're completely not really spineless. Uh, according to them, that there, according to Rappaport, there is a quote real chance that not only does Antonio Brown not get suspended, but plays Monday night. Yeah, and probably starts. So there's no discipline whatsoever, and continue the silver and black tradition of the world of having the worst guys ever and doing nothing about it. Good, they deserve yeah. they deserve the five games they're going to win this year. Yeah, that doesn't uh, – I mean, it is it is surprising in one sense, but it, the message that you send to your team when you have a player that gets in a physical altercation with your GM and you do not sit him, that is a scary road to walk down because that is not a good precedent to send uh, for your entire organization. And it's – I am calling BS on all culture conversations and the word culture in general that I hear coming out of John Gruden's mouth because I do not want to hear that at all if this is how this plays out because you cannot you cannot say you're trying to build something and then allow and tolerate that behavior because he's a superstar. That's It's just not it's just not how, how you have to do things. So I think that's – I'm not surprised by it, Jamie, I'm not, or Jake. I'm not surprised to hear that they're going to do that. I just uh, – I don't know. I expect it a little bit better. And if you're Mike Mayock, you got to feel – I don't know. You have to feel pretty pretty disheartened by that overall decision. I mean, if, if he's making it, then, man, Mike, uh, very spineless, like Jamie said. Not great. Not great at all. If I was Mayock, I'd be calling the networks that I used to work for and would be seriously considering yeah, quitting. I, I'm, I, I don't know that I could, like, you're not going to challenge me as I'm technically the GM and you're going to do that and then nothing's going to happen to you? Yeah. That's, it's all, I, I don't know that I could work like that, man. I got way too much integrity and pride to be, yeah. money's no. not that important. I mean, I, I, don't know that, I don't know that I could go to work the rest of the weekend getting ready for that game yeah, Monday night tough, if I'm in. That's a tough pill to swallow. All right, Jamie, how can everyone follow you on social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. Jake? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Jake Arians on Instagram. Thank God football's back. I hope it's better yeah, than it was last time. I'm in agreement with that. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on Twitter and Instagram. And you should follow this account at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. You can check out all of our content on thedraftnetwork.com. Be sure to visit the website and enjoy the first weekend of NFL action. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.